Everybody's working. With that time, yours. A funny thing happened as I was getting all of the show notes together for this episode of the podcast. I, I wrote down that the first thing was Nate wrote about nothing really happening, which is sort of the gist of Nate Taylor's latest uh, latest article up on The Athletic. And then I proceeded to write like three pages of Google Doc notes about all of the things that are kind of happening right now. I tricked myself into thinking that there was an off-season happening in this off-season, and I'm a dang fool for it. Welcome to Time Zars. I'm Joshua Briscoe. We're gonna we're gonna hit an hour on this one, and and probably then some because we have no self no self control, literally whatsoever. Um, Nate, congratulations on writing an article about nothing happening that was still um, packed with things that are happening. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you. It was it was quite a joy to put it all together with the understanding that like, hey, you know, uh. Editors like we should empty, you know, empty, empty everything you have in the notebook from the combine. <laughs> to which I said, I, Andy Reid never wanted to see me after Tuesday. You know, yep. Yep. <laughs> Andy Reid likes doing his job and nothing else. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite an experience. I hope people clicked on it and gave it a read. There were some like subtleties amongst the running back and mm-hmm. offensive line positions, mm-hmm. and the idea that Andy Reid will continue to employ Missouri Western in the months of July and August. Yes. Because um, I think there are other people in the organization that wanted training camp to be elsewhere, and Andy mm-hmm. Reid's like, over my dead body. But mm-hmm. hey, um, welcome to the quietest week before the bigziest week, I guess, in the NFL season. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the players are going to vote on a oh, season yeah, that's that, gonna, that, that's that, gonna that may, or, so. may, may or may not chase the course of the – of the league and the Chiefs is uh, off season, but yeah, other than that, yeah, man, pretty quiet for an off season. Slow news week, yeah, uh, slow news week. And then you, Seth Kaiser, proceeded to write about Brett Veach and then also attempt to take his job. And as you are doing it, <laughs> there is just blood all over the salary cap. Yeah, yeah, I took no prisoners. Like in, articles like that are never fun because occasionally you get like the angry DM from a player, and they're just like, dude. WTF, and you're like, I don't know what to say to you right now because I literally who, who, just wrote. Name a name. Who, 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 D, who, D, who DM'd you there? No, uh, no one DM'd me this time. I have been DM'd in the past. What year? Hmm. You know what? Should I? Did I promise to keep this secret? Look, let me just look. I mean, you told you told us off the air, but I mean, listeners, as of this moment, are just the stopping their cars. The a- oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, this isn't really a showstopper. The angriest DM I ever got was uh donald stevenson who was like irate with me like absolutely irate oh i i hit his dog with my car josh (laughs) (laughs) what do you think i i wrote something bad um but no no longer he no longer good at football (laughs) well it was not my i basically wrote and it like he had he had had a really rough game and von miller had done some terrible things to him and i wrote about it and it was just like you know, and it was a whole deal. I mean, what are you going to do? But anyway, um, no one got angry with me this time. And so, yeah, which th- that, that's that's nice, at least so it hasn't far. Been out but, quite a, it hasn't been out that long. You know, there's still yeah. there's still a chance. There's still yeah, a chance there's, that there's, Cam Irving not comes comes to Minnesota and knocks on your door and just says, hey, man, I just want to talk. I, I would feel so bad. I'd be like, Cam, it's cool, bro. Like, what are we doing here? Come on. I have a family. Let's just. Anybody ever, just, anybody ever write an article about you losing your job? Does that ever happen, Seth? Maybe be a little more considerate. Maybe just hi- sign everyone to long-term extension, Seth. 
I, you know, I, I didn't even think of that, honestly, as an option. Um, <laughs> here's, here's, that, a, here's how to solve everything. Push all the money back to 2025. Then whoever is the next GM can figure that out. You know? Yeah, just, just yeah. let him figure yeah. it out. Yeah, just push it all back. Just, yeah. But it, you, you mentioned the CBA, and I know this isn't on our notes, and so I figured I would just dive right in and say it. Um, the new CBA, there's two things going on here. The first is until that new CBA gets uh, approved, which I think it's going to, and I'll go into that in a second here. Right. Um, the the Chiefs, the the contracts you can do in the final going into the final year of a CBA, you're really handicapped because there's a thirty percent rule. You can't raise the base salary of a player more than thirty percent from one year to the next. Okay, and they do that so you don't take advantage of an uncapped year potentially. Correct. And so I, uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I, the, the problem with that is like, if you're, you know, if you're trying to, a lot of these contracts, they do like, you know, like Frank Clark's is like $800,000 year one, 20 million year two. <laughs> and so I, and so the, you need that ability and that flexibility and you can't really do it right now. And that's part of why I think they franchise Chris Jones. Cause, and maybe Veach should have communicated this more clearly. It's like, bro, we like, we got to see if this new salary or if this new CBA comes through because then they can do it more traditionally, you know, where it's like, you know, like 8 million year one, then 15 million year two, then 18 million year three. And then like, you know, years four and five, that's all on guaranteed. It's like 23 million and 25 million. It's like, look at a hundred million dollar contract, Chris. That's really like a $50 million contract. And so, yeah. So that that's one thing to think about. The other thing to think about as a, with the CBA thing, am I the only one that's really optimistic that that's going to get passed? Is that just me? No, I, I've talked to enough agents that have given the indication that, like, they believe right now the time to make a deal has come. There is no tomorrow, essentially, because if you don't agree to this deal, um, the owners aren't going to be happy. And then... There's a possibility of a lockout, which doesn't really help players in that matter. And then there's the understanding, too, of, okay, if it's a percentage of what it is now, they're only going to squish that more for the players. So the the owners want to get a deal done because, obviously, they're going to promote that and push that towards new uh, TV contracts with ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, whoever. Um, but the agents that I've talked to have made it clear it's probably better to do it now versus later. Right. Well, the owners did something really smart here. Now, I've only looked at some of it. Um, just on a side note, you know, Nate, can we just pull back the curtain for a second here as we talk? <laughs> I'm talking okay. just to – no one's talking what? to you, Josh. Can I just, just say to you, Nate, that our colleague Josh Briscoe's a jerk, and I don't like I'm- him. You're calling Josh Briscoe, who gave you three pages of Google Docs, only for two minutes into today's show for Seth to be like, "Look, I'm going to go and grab the steering wheel here. We're going to talk about the CBA for the ninth episode. I'm in like the third scene of the van, reaching up. I have an hour of Chiefs topics for the people, and we're on CBA version seven. What are we doing? But it matters for the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs can't do anything without the CBA. I know. Thank you, Nathan. Plenty of that was going to come up later in Seth's in Seth's uh, little section, but no one reads ahead on the Google Doc. It's fine. Look, I you know me. I read. This is all on Seth. You know you you know. Oh yeah, no, you know for sure. No, I'm you are lying through your teeth right now, Taylor. 
Look, look. That is, some Tate Naylor, that is some Tate Naylor stuff right there. I want to talk about the CBA. I, I looked at the document. I said, yes, Andy Reid doesn't, doesn't really want to do anything other than scout players and not like there's no – like if you want chatter with the Chiefs, it's just it's just not happening. Like yeah. no one no one knows. Like it's just just not me. Like think of any reporter that you respect and admire and trust your you know your news information from. Um, there was little to nothing at the combine other than like, hey, I think Sammy Watkins is in the position where he might want to return, and Chris Jones would like to be there as well. But like nobody knows his deal because like the Chiefs, like last year, it was like okay, at least I know. Justin Houston ain't coming. Right. D Ford, once I, you know, met with Steve Spagnolo and started to see the 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 plan from about thirty thousand feet that involves other teams in the league, it's like, okay, they franchise D just to trade him. And so that's gonna happen. There's nothing like that this year where there was you could see the dominoes effects or the ripples effects of something that was going to happen that involved or impacted the Chiefs. There, there just wasn't anything like that other than people mm-hmm. telling me, yeah, man, I don't know what the CBA is. And then I'd go ask an, an, a lady, yeah, I don't know what the CBA is. Then I'd go ask a coach, yeah, dog, I, the CBA is an issue right now. <laughs> like It was yeah. the weirdest combine I've ever been a part of. And I haven't been a part of a ton, but it was very clear that, like, yeah, the players are meeting on the CBA, and they don't know what's coming next. Therefore, every team who has even a little bit of a cap strain um, is really stuck in the moment. Right. And these are all we really... Did, we did close the curtain back on Seth again because Seth was about to go into a part-the-curtain situation, and then we slammed it shut. So, Seth, if you'd like to do that to defend the point you were making about three minutes ago that you were really struggling through, now is your time. I was not... Str- <laughs> I was just struggling. Y'all wouldn't quit typing stuff. You just said you not- weren't struggling. You know what? Let's read the group chat. <clears throat> no. All right. We were having some technical issues through the first few minutes. We got it figured out. Danielle suggested that maybe Nate's headphones were really loud and then the mic was picking up some of the extra sound. We went through, this I was, believe Nate, this that was you, true. You would, that you would, Nate adjusted it. We're yep. all good after that. Mm-hmm. And then Seth said, yeah, I was struggling. He said, LOL, OL, I was, all caps, struggling to fight through the messages and keep talking. And I just responded, yeah, oh, we yeah, know, can we I, heard can, it. Hold, hold on, can I read yours? <laughs> I'm going to read Josh's. And Josh responded, yeah, I know, we heard it. That's how that's how I read that. <laughs> wow. That's how I read that. Okay. Yes, I was struggling. So there, there. I pulled back the curtain. Dear listener, if you wonder why I became a stammering moron for about two minutes, it's because I can't read and talk at the same time unless it involves a legal argument. And then for whatever reason, I'm able to do it. Quick thing on the CBA. <laughs> Here we go. 11, the owners, 11 minutes in. Here the, we go. The owners are playing chess with the CBA. By raising that uh, the minimum salary, like the vet minimum, for, yeah, for the seventh, well, for that in the seventeenth game, but yes, yep, that. But like for them, their their thing by raising the the vet minimum up like a hundred grand or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. They understand that the NFL is made up of like seventy percent vet minimum dudes, maybe sixty percent. They understand you can get a majority vote with guys that are at the bottom of the roster and they get that. And they're like, well, if we just give each of them like an extra hundred grand, that costs us not that much at all and can get us everything we want. And they're going to vote for it because, you know, if I'm, you know, number three tight end on some team and I'm thinking I'm, I've got a roster spot for right now, but I don't know how long it's going to last. 
His name is Dion Yeldersef. I almost said Dion Yelder. <laughs> so if I'm Dion Yelder, right, and I'm about to vote on a CBA, and I look on the CBA, and it says, hey, you know, I, let me double check this. What's my salary? Man, this will raise my salary, let's say, 150 grand next year. Am I really going to vote no because Richard Sherman, who's made, you know, $80 million over the course of his career, is like, no, guys, we got to stick together. And that's all due respect to Richard Sherman because I respect the daylights out of him. But these are two totally different situations. I'm voting yes for that because it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be in the league in like two years. Like, I'm going to make that extra 150 grand and use that to buy a house. Like... And so the owners, that is one of the, I've often wondered why they don't focus more on getting the rank and file to fall in line. Because that's what makes football so different from basketball. That's why the basketball players union is so much stronger. Because you don't have so many guys on the bottom end. And I just, that's why I think it's going to pass. Because they did do enough that the rank and file guys are going to say, yeah, look, we hear you, Pouncy Twins, that you're going to give all of us money. But somehow, I don't think you're going to. So that's my thoughts on that. Billionaires, man. They negotiate. So is this a Chiefs podcast again now? Or <laughs> oh, yes. You... Yes. The man Let's... who does almost entirely sports is bothered that we're off topic. Good this isn't Lord. that show. This is a different show. I don't do almost entirely CBA, but apparently that's you. If you want to go buy that URL, let's see if it's taken. Let's see. Almost. Hold on. Almost entirely cba.com it's available seth so if you'd like to go ahead and start that competing radio show it sounds like that one's all yours yep you know what you know what i thought you'd say something i don't really have anything i'm just i know what my my goal there was to let you finish your sentence and then then it would be a flawless victory for me as you ran out of ammunition Well, you guys just, both I, wrote really good things about the Chiefs this week. I just I thought maybe we'd all talk about that all together, like three friends talking about the Chiefs and stuff. Let's do that. <laughs> I just needed someone's permission. I needed a teammate on that. Thank you, Nate. Um, Nate, you uh, you wrote about like I said at the intro, like the the kind of the hook of the article is like weird time run. Not that much is happening. But then within the article, which you're going to read at theathletic.com right now, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash times ours, you can get a, a deal there. You wrote about, as you mentioned earlier, like Andy Reid not really looking to talk very much at the Combine. Did it once, was pretty much good at that after that point. Then he was like in the hotel or the interview room or watching stuff happen. Um, But throughout the Combine, there were some things that you did touch on. You mentioned running backs and offensive linemen. Um, I especially want to talk about the offensive line a little bit later with some of Seth's moves as as fictional Mm -hmm. Brett Veach. Mm -hmm. But you've essentially uh, told us something that, that I think we could have guessed is that especially as they're uh, scouting these uh, incoming rookie running backs, the Chiefs have a type, it seems. Yes, and they don't really care about how you run with the football. Like, right. I, I I need to make that clear. It is the strangest thing. Bless them for it. Eric Bieniemy, um, Coach uh, Dillian McCullough, uh, Andy Reid, they don't care how you run the football. They, if you got to college and you are invited to the combine – they know you can run, you know, zone, you know, running concepts. They know you can run counter plays. Hey, you could probably do a jet sweep if they asked you, you know, if they asked you to do that. The type is this. Can you protect Patrick Mahomes with your life? And can you catch the football? Because guess what, kids? We're not going to be running the football that much to the pleasure of one Josh Briscoe. So <laughs> it's clear that 
in terms of the the, the prospects that the that the Chiefs sort of interviewed at the combine, watched their tape, um, the guys that sort of fit their uh, ideal is maybe someone slightly bigger than Darwin Thompson because you already have that guy that like. Maybe he's the next star Kendrick West of the offense in year two and year three of his rookie deal. But you need someone slightly bigger, maybe a tiny bit faster or just as fast and has good hands, understands route concepts, understands, hey, passing protections. And so it's weird that, like, the Chiefs get to the combine and they tell the running back prospect, we're not going to do anything that involves you actually running with the football. We're not going to watch any (laughs) of that tape. We've already done that. Okay, on this read. On this specific snap, on third and 12, you did blank. Why? And how much does that mature and match what we do on offense in terms of protection calls, in terms of what your responsibilities versus what your secondary is? And, oh, by the way, if we motion you out of the backfield as the fifth receiver, which they did a ton, whether it was Darwin Thompson or more specifically Spencer Ware two years ago, can you be a viable option catching the football? And so – it's it's fascinating to know that like Andy Reid is thinking of this in a much different probably level than half the coaches in the league who are like, all right, young fella, how quick can you get to the A gap? Versus, hey man, um, we run screens here. How's your footwork on the screen? Then can you catch the ball? Then can you identify where your first blocker is? And then if you can do that, how do you get to the to the open space? And then what do you do once you get there when you hit top speed? It's it's extremely fascinating. Um there have been some belief amongst analysts that in the mid rounds of this draft, one name in particular, Maryland's Anthony McFarland, perhaps could be the next Jamal Charles. That is a lofty idea. It's a hell of a comp. But if, bold. He, but if he's healthy and he improves as a receiver, there's enough there to at least acknowledge that that is a possibility for his career. If, say, the Chiefs take him in the late third, late fourth round. Um, did you know also that Anthony McFarland is Booger McFarland's real name? And also Anthony McFarland is a junior, but they're not related? That's a true fact. I had to find that out about a week ago. That's what you come to Times Ours for. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the idea of like, God, I wish he kind of was related to Booger McFarland. Because then I'd have oh, all the excuses so to talk to Booger. Hey, yeah. Booger. <laughs> it would have been incredible. Um, but yeah, I was actually I was I was really glad to see his name pop up in in your article, Nate, because I had been looking at, at him a little bit um, just at some point like last week. I had seen it pop up. I might have been that they that the Chiefs were talking to him. And maybe that was the news that I'm looking at. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but that is that's like that's a brutal comparison because it's very very hard to be Jamal Charles. But I, I would love to have a, at least a little bit of a conversation around the running back position and strategy in general now because you're looking at him as probably being a mid-round guy. I've seen some fourths. Maybe it, you, if you're going to lock him in, it's got to be a third, which makes me a little bit annoyed. I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. sort of arbitrarily lining mine up at the at, at fourth round I could live with, and before that would really frustrate me. Um, but for all the conversations we've had about the running back position and then also the traits the Chiefs are looking for, I'm I'm very glad to hear the the reports that you have there of of hey the, the Chiefs are looking for a few things that you can do to make this offense work and also like I don't I didn't even put it in the Google Doc because I, I didn't know if you'd have time and it wouldn't but like the, the Chargers re-signed Austin Eckler he was a name right. that had gotten thrown around a little bit last season he was a restricted free agent so it, it seemed likely that he'd return to the Chargers and it's a pretty reasonable deal even for me someone who would almost never give that second contract to a running back um it's a, it's a 
it's a reasonable deal for a guy who's more than just like a straight ahead running back. So I, I do think that this entire conversation, you can reach over to Eckler or to McFarland or, or, or the, the draft positions that would make sense for running backs right now. But I do think it's going to be a, a topic we continue to, to hit over this offseason. Yeah, and it should be something that, you know, for as many people talk about the running back position last year and how in flux it was up until around December when I will say in a golf clap manner, Mr. Seth Kaiser, I think it was when the Chiefs beat the Bron- with the excuse me, the Bears on Sunday night or as Patrick Mahomes was counting to ten, that Seth was like, uh, if Damian Williams keeps playing like this, they're going to like win the Super Bowl. And guess what? He mm-hmm. did. So all they need is another one-two punch. And I've also, you know, sort of, um, I guess Mike Garofalo of NFL Network sort of put this out there first. And then I was able to sort of, um, I don't know, I won't say confirm because, like, these things are still fluid when you get to free agency. But the the understanding at this point is that um, LaShawn McCoy will probably not return next season to the Chiefs. He will move mm-hmm. on. Um, and so that allows you – to maybe see who is the number two running back behind Damian Williams. Is it Darwin Thompson? Do you bring back Spencer Ware in a third down role specific, uh, even though his body has obviously been <laughs> a miracle in a lot of ways? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good Lord, he has risen and fallen and risen and fallen so many times. Or so do you draft times. Yeah, or do you draft somebody uh, who would challenge Darwin F maybe being running back two when you get to camp? Seth, do you want to talk about how running backs uh, getting paid will change under the new CBA? Or, you know, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because <laughs> yeah. if, the, if the if the amount if the salary cap balloons under the CBA, you might have the ability to pay running backs a little bit more, and it wouldn't be as great a percentage. The thing that's about the even, new CBA, hold on, hold on. Is... so that analysis was bad, even in the joke though. That's not even true, and you know that. <laughs> Um, you just said some he, garbage. You just said some he, garbage because you thought yeah. it would, they would frustrate well, me, and no, it doesn't because it was garbage. The The reality of the situation is I was going to say anything right there to tick you off. Yes, so, that's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. But at least in the first 10 minutes, you were giving actual good analysis. I just thought it was misplaced. That was just a bunch of bunk and hooly what you just Now spewed. I'm just being openly antagonistic. I've, you I've just, changed you, my... You're not only antagonistic towards me. Now you're being antagonistic towards the audience, giving them fake information. How dare you, oh. Seth? Oh, you, where's, your, where's your journalistic credibility, Mr. Kaiser? I don't have journalistic credibility. <laughs> that's, true. that's why. That's, true. that's why I'm only able to park at training camp, Josh. I, oh, <laughs> that is a deep cut that nobody understands, and we're gonna keep it moving. Yeah, Danielle, cut anyway, that out. Here, here's no, I'm good. So here's the deal with the <laughs> Damian Williams. What they need is another Damian Williams, essentially. Yeah. Also, can um, I? I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not cutting you off just because you've uh, been antagonistic <laughs> towards me. But I am going to cut you off briefly because, like, his name has come up a couple times very quickly. But like, Daryl Williams was not only like playing very well; he had all the praise from like, uh, like Nate mentioned, Dylan McCullough. Like, he loved Daryl Williams. Yeah. Like, it, whenever if he comes that back, is true. Healthy-ish. Like, I don't want to forget about him because they spoke highly of him, and, and he got yes. a, a growing role. That is that is a That's, great point, Josh. That is a great. I I that, I try. It. it it's so hard to like try to forget the guys who are on injured reserve when the year ends because there's just so many moving parts and so many people to keep track of. But yeah, he was he was like quietly their most consistent running back in October. Yeah, and he just never yeah. touched the ball because Andy was like, 
Like, their October was so bizarre and threw everybody off the scent in a lot of uh, national media aspects. And then, like, they Mm. slowly put things together in November. And by that time, Daryl Williams, unfortunately, got hurt in the first game in December against the Oakland Raiders when it looked like he popped his ACL in a non-contact injury. And then they Mm. said it was a hamstring. But I'm still, like, really interested to see, like, where he is from a health standpoint when we get to, like, the opening part of OTAs. But yeah, he should not yeah. be forgotten in this discussion. I Daryl Williams, I like him. He's just such a different type than what you would imagine. Now, he did a good job on some some receptions and when he's got a head of steam, the dude can scoot. Um because I think I mean, didn't he hit like a top speed of like 21 miles an hour on one of his I I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to call Daryl Williams both sneaky fast and a sneaky good pass catcher. I'm ready to bestow that upon him. I know that's usually reserved for white running backs. What? Who said that? But I, I think Daryl Williams is sneaky fast. <laughs> hey, you know Christian McCaffrey is also sneaky fast. I mean, he's just, <laughs> sneaky, he's sneaky he, athletic too. He's sneaky yeah. on tape. I mean, you see him yeah. out there and you're like, how would they get him in space like that? <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all everything so, about him is sneaky for some reason. I don't, yeah, is also just a you know coach's kid, grinder, high football IQ, a lot Jim of Jim Rat, dude. Yeah, oh Jim Rat, he's out, he's out there throwing weight around. He he doesn't grind through the tape. He eats the tape. That's what he does. Oh, he's he like just a, chomps it up for dinner. He, he's like a football version of Kirk Heinrich, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't. That's that's yeah, the comparison I, I that comes that's right. right. I think that's you know Kirk, I bet we, you know Kirk Heinrich was in the league for like 12, 13 years. <laughs> he was good for him. <laughs> I, I'll never forget when he took Jeff Boshi's job because Jeff Boshi, Highliners, is from Valley City, my hometown. And I was very disappointed when Kirk Heinrich took his job. Then I saw Kirk Heinrich play and I was like, no, nah, that, that, that dude deserves that a job. That dude's good. Yeah, <laughs> that, that dude, guy that can dude. play. That guy can play. Anyway. Welcome um, to Seth Kaiser's CBA and Kirk Heinrich podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, this is good. I didn't even find a pill today. So the thing the thing with Daryl Williams I just don't quite see that same nuance in route running and stuff but that's stuff that can maybe come to you and one thing about him he's kind of a big body dude can grind out the short yardage I really don't view running back as that big a need I there there are a lot of good running backs in the league you know there's a lot of guys that know how to pick up blocking assignments and stuff the thing with that makes Damian Williams kind of adds that extra dimension yeah he's a great route runner good hands Good pass pro. There are plenty of guys who can do that, although Williams is a better route runner than most. That's like underrated, like that you can split him out wide and be like, hey, you know, make a double move or run a pivot route, and he can do it, right? It's not just a wheel route. But the thing that kind of makes Damien stick out a little bit in the office, and this mattered at multiple moments this season, is that he can break really big plays. Like he's got that top gear that he can run away from defenses, and you need that. So, I don't know. I'm curious. Darwin Thompson's my guy, but man, is he just, he's just small. Like, he's, he's oddly small, right? Like, am I crazy? We're going to see how, how, how much his body develops over the course of the next few months before you get to, to camp. Because I, I, I think that's the big thing for him is like, hey, you understand the speed of the game now. You were at every stage of an NFL season for a rookie, but how much will you develop from year one to year two? What? A quick thing though, like how much can his body develop? Did you see that dude with his shirt off at training camp? I did. Like he, but he yeah, is like the most rocked up human I've ever seen, and that includes yeah. like Tyreek Hill. Like, and, and Hill he. is shredded. Like I saw Darwin Thompson. It's like it looks fake. Like it does not look real. Like I almost poked him, but I mean I didn't. Yes. Yeah. But, but 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 the but I'm the issue. Sorry. Hold on. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> you what? Were you close almost... enough to poke him? That. 
But he was signing Chief stuff. Security should, Chief security should not... Okay, hey, everybody, we mentioned also, we're not going to have time to talk about it a lot, that the training camp's going to be back in St. Joe. Don't poke any players. Yeah, that's don't a poke, bad idea. I didn't, I didn't do anybody. it. Don't poke anybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Poking is a consent issue. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, don't poke, hey, don't poke people. Don't don't poke people. But I'm just I'm saying. I'm sorry, Nate. I'm sorry. I cut. I it's hard to imagine you, him getting I'm, bigger. That's all. Well, well, but that's the thing. Like, if if he wants a bigger role, which can naturally happen based on how the roster changes from year one to year two, um, sure. there there are some things that he can do to his body as you get older. That like you know, uh, yeah, I know. I'm 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 headed in a real interesting direction. Um, we'll see what his Wrong nutrition role for today is well, well, my issue. Yeah, we'll see what his what his nutrition is, how sure. he sculpts his body even more, and also, you know, can you can you show consistency yeah. with more reps in practice games, whatever. That's that's the best I can do, y'all. I think that's only fair. You you know the you know the best thing that I can do. The best thing that I can do, I would say in my life in general, the thing that gives my life purpose is to remind people that DoorDash exists and you need it. I I have, I get, Danielle sends out the email to be like, hey, here's the ad for this week. Here's what you need. I have stopped using and even looking at any of the DoorDash copy points because it's like giving me copy points to tell you how great some member of my family is. Like, I don't need that. I don't need that. And yes, I'm telling you that DoorDash is like family to me at this point. I, in fact, I see it more often. I see DoorDash more often than I see my family. At this point, I love it at least as much as I love my family, and you will too if you use DoorDash. I think that's all fair and unproblematic, right? That's not in the copy, but I bet DoorDash is going to be happy to hear me say that. There are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities f- using DoorDash, and I haven't used it yet this weekend, but uh, we, we're doing this show on Sunday afternoons right now, and you know prime time for DoorDash in, in, my, in my life? Sunday evening. So I can't promise that I will not be opening up the app, which is super easy to use. You can order through there. It doesn't like take you through a bunch of other websites to like order through the restaurant site or anything like that. It's all there just in the app. It's super easy. It shows up, it, it tracks your order, and says, hey, it's 15 minutes away, it's two minutes away, whatever, and so you'll know how long you have to put your pants on before you answer the door, and uh, it's just, it's a simply wonderful service that I have I have no problem comparing to a member of my family. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code TIME. T-I-M-E. It's the first word of this podcast. You got it? Good. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code TIME. That's code TIME for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Let DoorDash become a member of your family. I don't have anything for either of you to say there. I just, I thought maybe you'd want to comment. Um, It sounds magical. It does. I love it. And um, shout out to DoorDash. <laughs> I I feel like neither of you share my passion, and that's okay. Danielle, cut this part out. <clears throat> uh, Seth, you also wrote this week, and I want to talk about it. We have, you I know, did. unfortunately, we have less time than I planned on because we started with CBA. But you know, I'm going to get over that by the next episode for sure. By next week, I'm going to get over it. By the end of this episode, I'm probably 79.3 percent of Chiefs fans in an unbiased poll have said that yeah. they would love to hear CBA talk in this episode of Times Ours. 
Yeah, I think what I would ask is if, you know, did that need to be the first 10 minutes of the show? And I would say, I mean, probably not. We could have woven it in as we talked about contracts. And maybe, maybe kind of later on in the Google Doc, I had sort of planned to have like a big discussion about contracts and flexibility and long-term planning and everything like in this segment coming up right now. Maybe it could have waited until this segment, Seth. Tampering with elections is bad, Josh. Those, hey, Seth, those people, those people couldn't see the Google Doc, you know, and you could have in theory. I know you didn't, but that you, but you could have. The establishment doesn't want you to know about the CBA. <laughs> yes. Golly. Josh is out here. The CBA That's... is all about the top 1% of the top 1% of NFL quarterbacks. And we, the working class on the veteran minimums, we need to vote through the CBA. And we're not going to play the 17th game. <laughs> What, the what establishment does <laughs> the establishment doesn't want you to know that the CBA is really really important. They don't want you to know that. We there's Patrick Mahomes on the barbershop show with LeBron James. That like th- they don't want you to understand the CBA's impact on society, okay? The, the establishment <laughs> wants you to look elsewhere, okay? They want you to look at all the running backs What's going on with Cam Irving? What's going on with Louverne Dart? <laughs> I can't even say his name. What's his name? Laurent Duvernay Tardif. They want you to care about Bashad Breeland, who I know Seth Kaiser feels very, very conflicted on. I wish you could see what I'm doing with my arms right now. I've been holding them in the same pose like I'm a wizard about to cast a spell, but I'm just waiting to do the voice again. We must not let the establishment disregard the CBA. The only establishment that I'd want to tear down from the inside is the establishment of the run. Ah! Cheers! Cheers and applause. Let's oh, go, Kelsey. We're not, we're not gonna Kelsey. establish the run. Establish the Kelsey. Establish the Kelsey. Wow. We're gonna go to Las Vegas. We're gonna go to Buffalo. We're gonna go to Tampa Bay. Then we're gonna go to New England. Then we're gonna go to Baltimore. <laughs> I've you know really the thing lost is the voice in here somewhere. I think it keeps getting worse. I'm very yeah, old. At, yeah, at this point, at this point, you've moved on to a completely different character. Like I'm now Steve Spagnuolo. What time is it? One percent. It's all basically anyway, the same. It's just the volume. The only thing that changes from Steve Spagnuolo to to um unnamed politician is is just the volume. What time, wait, I think. What time is it? Yeah. yeah. It's just what time is it? What day is it going on right now? The top one percent. It's just you get farther away from the mic and yell more. That's really it. Listen, we out here. We're just trying to we're trying to figure out what time it is. We're gonna try to stop the run and they're trying to establish the run. It's the same thing. <laughs> the establishment doesn't want you to know, man. You can tell that you guys pay way more attention to this stuff than I do because I was over here sitting like, who who are you imitating right now? And then I look it's at the slack and I'm like, oh, it was a bad impression. I mean, it wasn't I, good. I just I don't pay enough attention to things outside. Hope, of, I just hope people you know. could keep up with the uh, rapid fire that we just did. Yeah, yeah a lot that, of there's a lot, lot happening in there. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that. <laughs> there was a great they, deal they, of things. If if you're still listening, a <laughs> hundred thank yous. Yeah, that the level of patience. If you didn't turn it off at the eleven minute mark when we had only talked about the CBA, thank you. Well, we know now that 21% of people might have, but, you know, the vast majority did hang on. So, just saying. 79. 
5%. Just talking about the CBA won the popular vote? Since when has that mattered? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, if I were Brett Veach, right? That's where we were going? But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 so it was a bloodbath. So Brett it was Jimmy Watkins. Look, so Brett, I, I went, I've, I've itemized it, Seth. I don't know if you've ever seen the Google Doc that we all use every week. I'm looking but, at uh, it right now. I'm looking at it right now. I'm um, looking at I, it right now. The establishment doesn't want you to see the, the Google, the Google Doc. Doc. Uh, you cut Sammy Watkins. I don't know if this needs a ton of explanation, but you did it. I did. Um, look, love Sammy. Forever grateful. He helped out with a ton of things. Problem is that contract. I mean, it's 21 mil. I mean, what? That's like I think that's the biggest cap hit in the NFL for a receiver this year. It is. You can't, you can't pay him that. I, I get that the Chiefs want to hang on to him, but I don't know how you do magic with that, like turn it into a two-year deal or whatever, without him taking a massive pay cut. And without if he's willing to take a massive pay cut, yeah, <laughs> the, the CV. <laughs> It's almost like we could have talked about that here in the show. (laughs) But see, now they've laid the foundation. You know, I was always taught that you lay the foundation early and then you reference back to it, Josh. But, you know, whatever, I guess. That's, you know, I'll defer to your vast experience presenting loads of information to people. Although I suppose radio does do that. I don't want to go down this road. I mean, yeah, and I would say that I would (laughs) say the Venn diagram of radio to podcasting is slightly closer than lawyering to podcasting, but it's fine. It's okay. We've all got our different paths that got us here. So I I just have faith. I have faith in our listeners that they can recall things from 30 minutes ago. So, yeah, Watkins, I mean, just unless he takes a unless he takes a big pay cut and that's pretty rare. Now, Watkins, he's a unique dude. So maybe he (laughs) he is he is a guy like i feel like he's probably a pretty unpredictable guy like in terms of what he'll say like they they might come in and be like you know look sammy we can only give you seven million this year we'll give you 10 million next year we know that's like a massive pay cut and he'd be like yeah sure why not he could but i'm guessing he won't and because of that i'm guessing he's gone so um, you, you did, I want to talk about the offensive line now, because we, we know the Chiefs are not planning on retaining Cam Irving. You also cut LDT in this article. I so I want to talk about the offensive line in general, specifically the interior offensive line. I'm, I'm going to just throw a bunch of information into the sky here, and then you can pick up all of the pieces, like a bunch of, uh, a bunch of playing cards. But if you, if you cut Laurent DuVernay Tardif, it frees up $5 million according to over the cap with $4 million in dead cap money being there. Andrew Wiley is an exclusive rights free agent, which yep. means the Chiefs can offer him a one-year contract at, at the league minimum. Um, yep. and, and I I think, that especially if they cut LDT, I would see them giving that to Wiley to hold yes. some depth there. He's started. I know he's not the best guard in football, but you're it, that feels like a pretty good price for a little bit of stability there. Yep. Um, and, he knows, also, and he knows the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. I mean, he's 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 stability in in almost every sense of the word. Um, and then also, this guy would free up about three and a half million dollars, but it's it's a little hard for me to see them also cutting uh, Austin Ryder because there would have to be another plan there, and and that's a lot of movement. But they could theoretically. Uh, but that interior offensive line group gets really thin really quickly, and and I would love for them not to have to use a first couple round draft pick on a guard, um, even a center, frankly. So, Seth, you are the one who's pretending to be Brett Veach. I've given you all of the problems. You now fix it. So, the the here's there's a couple things going on here. I would agree with everything with regards to, oh, getting rid of LDT can be kind of rough. Except I, he just didn't play well this last year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it wasn't just that he got hurt because he got hurt the year before too. He was playing awesome before he got hurt in 2018. Then he got hurt this year and he just, he didn't play well, particularly in pass protection. It was a problem throughout the season. And you can't pay a guy that much money to be not good. And I like LDT a lot. He's been such a cool guy to see him improve so much over the years. But at this point, you're paying him top tier guard money to be a below average guard. Wiley played just as well as LDT this year. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to not just offer, you know, Wiley, like what, the 700 grand and pay him that and then save 5 million. Or maybe Dark Horse Martinez Rankin comes back. Yep. This is this There's is the your big, guy. Yep. This is the big question, Mock. Um, and this is <laughs> And he he played really well um in limited snaps. And so you never know. But then also, and it's all gonna fold together because the run I'm working on right now, by the time people hear this podcast, it might be up, is part two in-house free agents that I'm keeping. One of them is Stefan Wisniewski to a one-year deal. And so I would keep Ryder. Um, he had his struggles, but he's he's a younger player than LDT. He's generally stayed healthier. I would keep Ryder. I would keep Wisniewski. And then I would I would use either Wiley or Rankin on the, the right guard spot. So really, you're not seeing that much turnover. It's still all guys who have been in the system. So that's that's how I solve all the problems that you laid out there and still save money. And one other thing, too. Um, unlike this time last year where the team was hoping that uh, Khalil McKenzie could make the transition from defensive line to offensive lineman after a year of a rookie, and unfortunately they did not turn out as well for either party. Uh, Nick Allegretti was playing offensive line in college. He yeah, right. got a little bit more experience than um, McKenzie did in his rookie season. And so if you have an injury at the center or guard position, it is assumed that Nick Allegretti would be a better option um, than where the Chiefs were at this time a year ago. Yep, and he was like he was active at the end of the season when Andrew Wiley wasn't. Like yes. Khalil McKenzie was. I mean, they would have they would have sooner put Anthony Sherman in on the offensive line than Khalil McKenzie. It felt like at certain points. That's an exaggeration, mm-hmm. but you understand mm-hmm. what I'm doing there. I'm not yep. sure it is an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also have the Chiefs cutting Damian Wilson. Uh, give me your yeah. your logic on that, and then I want to present another another option there potentially. Um, the, the, the deal is with Wilson is, you know, they're paying him, you know, 5 million, um, and they can get a lot of that off the books. Um, I like Wilson. Uh, I think he is an important tone setter for the defense. He's a competent run, uh, linebacker, but he, he, I almost called him a running back. I don't know. I got running backs on the brain. Damien Williams. You did the Damien Williams thing. Even oh though yeah, you I did about do that. It. That's exactly what I did. Uh, it's just, Wilson doesn't necessarily have a skill set that's difficult to replace. Um, mm-hmm. And he just, and that's what it comes down to is they are going to need to make a few money decisions that I don't really like. And Wilson, as crazy as it is, he might be the one that I like the least because it's not a ton of savings, but it is some. And I just don't see his skill set being one that can't be replaced. He and Hitchens, honestly, when I watch them on film, I'm like, this is like the same dude. That's um, crazy, I mean. Yeah. yeah, maybe Hitchens hits with a little... No, Wilson hits pretty dang no, hard. No, no. Mm-hmm. When, when Wilson has a clear direct line to you, pretty good. Um, yeah. It's when... And, and what the 49ers showed on both players specifically, and this was somewhat surprising compared to like what Tennessee tried to do in running downhill, those linebackers are okay if it's just... just if you're running at one another, I think Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson are fine players. It's with yeah, all they'll the bang helmets. Mi- 
Yeah, it's with all the smoke and mirrors. It's the counters. It's the jet sweeps. Yeah. It's thinking one way and going another where they tend to struggle or their deficiencies yep. tend to be more apparent. So if right. the Chiefs And need, Wilson more I, so than Hitchens in that situation. Yes. And so not, if you need... Yeah, Wilson more so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you need a third down linebacker, which the Chiefs desperately yeah. needed, and in the <laughs> Athletics beat writer first mock draft, I chose linebacker over cornerback because of this specific nice. reason. So if you do that, you you know, if you're going to cut Damian Wilson to start the new year the new league year, excuse me, on March 18th or sometime around there, uh, to give him to let him be a free agent, then that sort of pivots one to believe in the first two rounds of the draft they are going to prioritize linebacker who can play all three downs. And I also think for the record, you you could you could cut Damian Wilson and then just wait and probably sign him to a cheaper contract. So that's exactly that. That's almost exactly what I wanted to pitch. Also, because I, I think a lot of times whenever we talk about renegotiating or restructuring contracts, I think frequently I will say not all the time. But I think frequently fans can can be asking about that for guys where it doesn't really make sense for the player. Say, well, why why can't we just move some of their money around? Well, maybe they want the money now, or you're talking about a lot more guaranteed money, or maybe it's more guaranteed than you think. Damien, I hadn't even thought about this until early before the show today as I was going through all this, but doesn't Damien Wilson seem like a possible renegotiate, uh, renegotiation candidate? Because yeah. he, he, feels, he feels like the perfect actual situation. He has no new guaranteed money in the salary here. It's just the dead cap number from his original prorated signing bonus. He would have to leave a defense that he was pretty good in to go mm-hmm. be in his third defensive scheme in three seasons. And right. I, I don't know what his free agent market would be. Um, and again, I would I would argue, as you kind of argued a little bit here, Seth, that, that he would have a role on this defense. Like, it, yes. this isn't like he's been replaced at this point. Right. It, even as the Chiefs are looking, you know, for one of those super fast, super athletic linebackers through the draft, this is still kind of a different role. So do you think it would make sense for the Chiefs to be like, hey, man, look, we're, we can let you go and just eat a little bit of dead cap space, but we could give you, a, frankly, a deal that might look a little bit like the one that he signed um, with them last year as like, hey, you got a guaranteed year and then kind of an option year, year next year. I could see them offering that to Damian Wilson and him being fine with that. And you have to also consider, too, I would just say this, too, you have to consider, um, is Reggie Ragland going to hit the open market yeah. and have a yeah. better situation than Damian Wilson? So you, you also have to sort of, you know, compare those two together because Reggie is a full-on un, you know, unrestricted free agent, can go right. anywhere. Right. Um, and so if you lose two linebackers and it's just Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman, then, yeah, it, it would it would perhaps be – of the Chiefs' interest to try to see if they can find a way to keep Wilson on the team. But but uh, say what you wanted, Seth. I was just going to say I, I try to stay away from that type of thing in these articles because there's just too many variables, and it's almost impossible to come up with a realistic sure. thing. Like So the only time I'll really do it is when it's like something that I'm almost certain a player would say yes to. Like, like with the Kelsey contract thing that I did, it's like it's more money, right? And... Right. It's it's a significantly amount of more money right away. So then it's like, oh, you probably say this. Right. Whereas Wilson, my experience with players um, is that they tend to, at least the ones that I've spoken to as they're about to hit free agency, and, and this isn't like a huge number of players, but it's a few. They tend to, how do I say this? They tend to perhaps overestimate what their market will be. 
which is sure. just natural, right? You got an agent pumping you up. Mm-hmm. You got all this stuff because, you know, that's just how it is. And so I have a hard time. I think Wilson might do it for sure, but that's why I didn't do it because I couldn't quite figure out a way to do it with numbers that I'm comfortable with, especially when, again, you know, Wilson and Hitchens, they're pretty similar players, except Hitchens is a little stronger and I think has a better read on offenses. And so it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, we really need to keep uh, Wilson. Raglan's been a tough one for me to figure out also, by the way, because I'm writing right now about in-house free agents I want them to keep. And I'm half tempted to just like with Raglan, like, you know, offer him like, you know, one year, two million dollars or something. But I'm curious if he'd take that because I'm not sure he would. He might just say, no, I'm going to find a system that fits me better which I'm not sure is out there because he's got some specific limitations. But we also saw him do some things we didn't know he could do this year in terms of being on the edge and stuff. So I don't know. With Wilson and Raglan, they're both guys that you would just as soon have on your team. But paying them any amount of money is kind of a bummer. And that's where the the Hitchens contract is still a bit of a eh for me because you've already paid one linebacker a very large amount of money to be a guy who's mostly a run defense guy who hits hard as a tone setter and that kind of thing. And that's really what Damian Wilson is. He's also a guy who's a little bit of a liability in coverage except for very specific situations. So it's just tough for me to double up on that that same player. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's totally reasonable. Um I just, that that's an interesting situation because again, I, I think that there's there is a, there are a couple of realistic ways that one could go, and and I, frankly, I, I think that we don't have that many of those in the course of an off season because most of them, I think, you know, you can you can read into the crystal ball pretty pretty well and and see value or not. Um, one guy that I was just curious to see what you would do with is you have the Chiefs, uh, you, if you were in Brett Veach's shoes, keeping Dan Sorensen, I'm going to ask you to spoil this for the next round, but are you also letting Kendall Fuller walk in this scenario? I am letting Kendall Fuller walk in this scenario. Um, Fuller has, Fuller has kind of become a man without a position. And I'm going to write about this in the article I'm writing right now. When I talk about some of the guys that I let go, um, he, he just, he, he was so great as a slot cornerback in Washington. Um, just awesome. And just in Kansas city, he's been decent, but that's it. Right. And then this year, I mean, he got pushed out of the slot cornerback position by Tyron Matthew, which is understandable because Tyron Matthew's awesome. Um, but also, I mean, Rashad Fenton came in and took some of it and they moved him to kind of a safety role and he did some really good things in that role, but it's too soon to know like, well, could you just switch him to a full-time safety and he'll have this huge career rejuvenation. Like we've seen with a few guys that switch to safety, right? They go from corners who maybe have a few weaknesses to suddenly, you know, safeties with good range and Fuller's got great feet and instincts. So I think he could be a really good safety, but you just, you don't know. And I think because he played a really good Super Bowl, I think there's going to be a market for him. Uh, you know that that's that's what is it? Uh, Therese Paler called it. You know the fun tax that you pay. You had fun. You won the Super Bowl. Now some of your guys who balled out in the Super Bowl, they're going to get paid. And so to me, yep. I think you got to keep one of the two. And this sounds crazy because I think Fuller definitely has a higher ceiling as a safety. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and maybe he'll go somewhere and ball out as a safety or even a slot corner in a different system. I don't know. But with Sorensen. He's a guy, you know what you have. You got a guy who definitely has some limitations in coverage, but he can be the third safety in Spagnuolo's system and do a pretty good job, right? Be a pretty good player as the third safety and in an emergency come in and not crap the bed 
as the as the second safety. And that to me is worth keeping around over a bit of a question mark with a higher ceiling with the group that they've currently got working. So that that's that's the reason with Sorensen. He made some big plays. This isn't like an emotional, oh my goodness, he made so many huge plays against the Texans. That was great, obviously. Good for him. But it's just more of a, you know, I want to keep some continuity in a secondary that really came together down the stretch last year. And I think Sorensen, with Thornhill getting healthy in that third safety role, I'm okay with him. I think he's a little overpaid for that. But And if like Kendall Fuller were under contract cheap for one more year, I'd say, yeah, cut him, go with Fuller. But he's not. So I'm, I'm picking Sorensen over what I think Fuller will get as a free agent. Nate, what do you think about the the comparison of those two guys and then the, the, the most likely outcomes for both of them? My understanding as of now, and I would be pretty surprised if Kendall Fuller didn't get paid. Um, just because he's shown duality to some degree. Um, he's a pretty smart football player, all things considered. I mean, he made the transition from corner to safety as seamless as one can do sort of late in the season. Absolutely. Uh, concerning what... Considering what you know, Juan Thornhill's injury was on the last day of the regular season, um, it just feels like, and, I, and I've written about this. Um, it just feels like Dan Sorensen fits really well to be a split linebacker slash DB whatever in Steve Spagnuolo's system. Tyron Matthew loves him. Um, he covered to a slight degree. Um, George Kittle and didn't get exposed in a, in a weird way, like yeah. in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah, I think you keep him. Uh, it's crazy how much this flipped, you know, a couple years ago where Le'Veon Bell seemed to expose Dan Swanson, and now Dan Swanson just slowly but little every year getting better, being more valuable. I just don't see him uh, not being on the roster when the team really begins the season in training camp just because he fits – really well in Bob Sutton's system, and he fit even better in Steve Spagnuolo's. And I don't know if there's another player on the Chiefs roster, because most of them got cut last year, who uh, fit both roles as well as Dan Sorensen did. When you say, just a quick thing, when you say you think he's going to get paid, do you mean by the Chiefs or someone else? No, no. Somebody's going to no. pay Kendall Fuller. That's 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 what I've gathered. <laughs> no. Um, and, this is, and this is the thing, too. You have to think about, like, Kendall Fuller's family is in the NFL, so they know the whole process. So getting the second contract will fortify Kendall Fuller's situation forever in a day, and um, I would be surprised if the Chiefs were somehow able to retain him despite being Super Bowl champions, despite trading for him because they knew he was valuable two years ago. But I think somebody's going to really, really make – really going to make Kendall's time uh, when it gets to March 18th. And I could see that because he does have a skill set, right? He's got great feet and he's got a really good football mind. Just, it's been frustrating for me watching him the last couple of years, like seeing him not develop into that. Cause I mean, his tape in Washington was unbelievably good in the yep. slot corner spot. And like to see him now be he, like good, but not great. That was frustrating, you know? Yeah. And you have to remember too, like so much of cornerback, not only his feet, but like, can you reroute somebody with your hands within, you know, the first five yards? Yeah. And Kendall Fuller had played much of his time in Kansas City with a broken thumb, True. a wrist injury, and he just wasn't able to play with the same level of tenacity 
in terms of really getting guys off their mark or getting the timing just a slight bit off between the receiver and the cornerback, or excuse me, the quarterback. Wow, I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> particularly in the 2018 season where, you know, Bob Sutton just played with the pieces he had. Yeah. And Ken- Kendall Fuller, who could not touch – Julian Edelman in the AFC Championship game kind of got no. torched by Julian Edelman because was, he could not ugh. touch him and he did not, you know. And you're also, we also have to be mindful too that Eric Berry, Dan Sorensen, Ron Parker, whoever it was, was 15 to 20 yards off the ball. So well, yeah, it it's like, like, hey, like, cover Julian Edelman in the slot. <laughs> we're going to have the and guys. You and you can't touch yeah. him, you know. Yeah. So, you're going to have guys and, 30 yards off the line. Ugh. Yeah. So that's why safety seemed to be just a better fit for him at that time because he was still sure. getting over the thumb, and hopefully wherever he goes next, that won't be an issue so that he could play, you know, a lesser version of what Tyron Matthew does where, like, hey, based on down situation personnel, I could be yeah. an additional third safety or I could come down and play really in the box and be who I was when I was in Washington. And I could see him making a lot of money as, like, Tyron Matthew light. Like, I think that's a – I think that's a really interesting comparison that someone could say, oh, we can make him Tyron Matthew, and they probably can't, but I think he'd be yeah. pretty good in that role. Can you make him Hussein Abdullah? Like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. Like yeah. More more eyes in the backfield, and if his fingers work, can catch the ball a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. And so I like Fuller. He's a guy I'd love to keep, but again, you know, you can't keep everyone because, uh, spoiler, in the guys I'm trying to extend who have current deals, or franchise tags. Spoiler: Chris it's Jones one is Chris one of Jones. them. So whoa, yeah. he's trying, y'all. Oh, he's trying. Him, 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 and Brett Veach putting their minds together for your benefits. <laughs> the last thing, Seth, from from this version of the article that again you can read along uh, on the Athletic right now, and I will not ask you to give the specifics of what you do with Travis Kelsey because frankly, it's hard enough to keep up with whenever you're reading and rereading all of those numbers. And I know for a fact that's very hard to make translate in an audio format. Sure, but can you can you ex- can you explain the method to your choice on on extending Kelsey right now? Sure. So basically, Travis Kelsey has two years left in his current deal. Okay, he just turned thirty a little bit ago. Um, this next contract, like if you sign him to an extension now, it depends on how long he wants to play. Uh, low key, everyone who's paying attention sees that Kelsey's not quite as explosive as he used to be. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's not any disrespect to Travis, but you can see it every now and then after the catch, right? He starts running mm-hmm. a certain angle and he just doesn't quite have that same. He used to run away from corners and he doesn't now, but he's the best t- route running tight end in the league that maybe I've ever seen. Like, he's unbelievable. And so he's still incredibly awesome, right? I think he's the best tight end of the league. And given the way he wins, that's going to keep up for three or four more years. So he's got two years left on his deal. It's a decent contract, but you could always add a couple years onto it and then move some bonus money up front and say, hey, Kelsey, how about instead of making $8 million this next year, do you want to make $11 million this next year? And instead of making, you know, whatever it is, $9, $10 million the next year, do you want to make $12 million that year? Is that something that might interest you? You know, like, do you want to make, do you want to make $5 million more over the next two years? And then we'll have this, you know, these bigger numbers that are unguaranteed at the end. And so that's the gist of it. Okay. The numbers get a little complicated. And what really made it tough was again, that 30% rule, because right now you can't be that creative with contract structure. And it just drove me nuts. I probably spent an hour like fiddling around with the numbers on Kelsey's contract. But at the end of the day, 
it saves a couple million under the cap this year. And it was a lot of work to do, but again, when you're trying to sign Chris Jones, you're trying to do these things, a couple million dollars goes a long way in that first contract year. You mentioned it's a you mentioned that it's a good contract. I we I if I could just do an inexplicable thing of absolutely caping up for John Dorsey right now. Oh lord. We we dump on John Dorsey's cap management a ton. And in many cases, it's well deserved. But the Chiefs re-signed Travis Kelsey with one year remaining on his rookie deal to a five-year, $46 million extension with only $20 million of that being guaranteed. It's it's one of the best, like, either first non-rookie contracts or second contracts mm-hmm. I can remember ever seeing. Like, because mm-hmm. if you go through his rookie deal, because he's third-round draft pick, to, like, through this point we're in right now, Travis Kelsey's made $33 million in seven years as a Chief. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's an unbelievable bargain. Here's the deal. Andy Reid knew how special he was going from year one to year two, and it yeah. is the best, in my opinion, it is the best contract John Dorsey ever gave out as general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs yep. because they were a year early before the league realized, holy smokes, this dude could be as good as Rob Gronkowski. And now yep. he yep. is the AFC version of Rob Gronkowski as close to one as you could get. So you're right, Josh. That is the best, in my opinion, is better than even the Eric Berry contract, which is, by and large, I know he gets crapped on a ton, but talk, talking to John, that given the situation, that was actually a good deal. It's just you'd never expect the player's body to immediately break down once he signs the right, deal. Yeah. To have a bone start growing <laughs> yeah, out of his just, heel. Yeah, no, like, you never to start growing a talon that. like a dinosaur. Like, and, no, that one's not on John That's Dorsey. That's not on John Dorsey. No. And it was, a, it was a great deal because he was the best safety in the league for, like, outside of Earl Thomas for that season. I believe the, the years run on now, but but that was a good deal. Um, what doomed John Dorsey? Most likely the headline is Justin Houston's deal because you did it a year too late versus doing it yeah. a year too early yeah. and giving Laurent Duvernay-Tardif money that, like, nobody projected he was ever going to get on the open market to begin with. Yeah. So those are yeah. those are the issues. But you're right. John, John Dorsey's best contract as general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs was Travis Kelsey, and I see why Seth says let's do it again, only this time. Right, yeah. <laughs> Travis Kelsey's like the second right. best tight end in the league behind George Kittle. It's it's definitely interesting with Kelsey because maybe he won't do it. Maybe he'll say, but the problem is they've got him locked up for two more years, right? And it's so crazy. now he won't hit yeah. free agency it's until he's nuts. 32. And I just got to tell you, that dude wants to retire playing with Patrick Mahomes. I would bet my yeah. life on it. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he gets it. I mean, Kelsey's yeah, yeah, not yeah, an of idiot. Course, of course. But I think, I think his representation and from their perspective, um, let's see what past deal is. Let's see what the CBA deal is. Sorry. Um, let's see what let's see Definitely. how this plays out one more year, and then we yes. can go towards a legitimate renegotiation. Because if he does another thousand yard season, which could happen, oh man! If he becomes Easily. a Pro Bowler yet again, which could happen, if he's the Easily. AFC version of All Pro at, at tight end, which could definitely happen, that price would Easily. go up. Um, and it's way better to do it now, Seth. Completely agree. Yes. But I just think it's probably more more likely next offseason. I I definitely agree. I just maybe I'm fantasizing there just because when you look well, at his age, right? It's something. It, to, it's a tough. He's in a tough spot. Right. It, it's definitely something to do now if you can get it done. But they've got so yes. many other issues involved that like, could you even get like if you figured out your team by mid July ish? 
Because that's when, like, well, if you figured out your team by mandatory minicamp, which is in June, could you spend the next five weeks before camp trying to get Travis Kelsey to see your arguments as to why you want to sign him now and get that figured out of the way? Because you would hope that either the team will have locked up Patrick Steele, understanding the CBA news rules, or yep. you could say, we're going to do you two in tandem. We're going to do you first, then Patrick, or Patrick, then you first, and that way both you guys know you, you, you're going to be, you know, brothers to the end of time as football players. This is totally unrelated, but you mentioned Eric Berry, and I'd just like to remind everyone that Eric Berry, as of right now, with, with Sammy Watkins and uh, LDT both still currently on the roster, oh Eric Berry has the 10th highest cap hit on the 2020 Chiefs. It's, uh, it's yeah. $8 million, right? It's $8 million. And the it's, quest- it's bad. And the question last year was, you could have just cut him and taken it all yep. last year. The issue with that yep. is... Yep. If you do it now, if you did it the way some people thought they should have done it, there is no Mike Pinnell. Right. That's yep. right. Well, and that that's a big deal. And just on a side note with the Eric Berry contract, people talk about Eric Berry so much when they talk about not paying players. It's like, I'm glad you pointed that out. Like he started growing a bone in his heel. Like, wh- like, like a, like a, like a bird of prey. It was a <laughs> talon out of the back of his foot. Holy I, I've never, I've never seen a contract situation <laughs> just, play play the way that one played out. Where yeah, you, you can't. You had to pay. You can't him. anticipate he, that he was he yeah. was going to be franchised, which is stupid. But he came back from leukemia and had one of the best yeah. seasons that you will ever see yeah. in the last decade. He had to be he, paid, and then he immediately broke down in the first game under the new contract. He did. It was it was tough, and he was having a good game. Here's the deal. As great as Tyron Matthew has been this year, and I'm curious what Matthew would say if someone said this to him, Eric Berry at his peak was 115% of what Tyron Matthew is. You have to pay that guy. Like, in terms of leading the locker room, in terms of everything he did, he's Tyron Matthew plus. And, the timing, and that's right. hard to find. And the timing, <laughs> the timing is always most important in these situations the timing of them realizing god as much as we love you eric and as much as it's not in your spirit we gotta let you go yeah because tyron matthew and earl thomas are on the market and they are healthier than you yep and it just yep it 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 was perfect timing to let one guy go and to get the next guy who could absolutely replace him and do it in a way that no other chief safety had ever done in their franchise outside of Emmett Thomas. All right, that's it. That's the podcast. We did it. You can read the stories we talked about across today's show up on The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash timesars if you are not yet a subscriber. We're going to be here to get you through the offseason. Also, if you're listening to this show, um, really at all, it's in any way, which you clearly are because you're hearing this, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I don't even, here's a dirty little secret. I don't even listen to podcasts in Apple Podcasts. I have a different app. But you know what I did to Times Ours? I went over to Apple Podcasts and I went left a five-star review and then I closed Apple Podcasts and never used it again. <laughs> you can do that. I, in fact, I encourage you to do that because lots of people find podcasts that way. Um, thank you, of course, for uh, for listening and rating and hopefully subscribing to The Athletic. You can follow all of us at by Nate Taylor at RealMNChiefsFan, and at JB Briscoe on Twitter. You can use the hashtag TimesRs. Seth has a very biased poll out um, on Twitter that I would say don't even bother looking at. Um, but other than that, Nate and I have great Twitter follows. Yeah. Exactly. Get wrecked, Briscoe. Welcome to, thank you for listening to CBA Talk 24-7 here on The Athletic with your host, Seth Kaiser, and nobody else.
I don't know how to end this show. I need it to be Nate or something. I don't know. Or is that in the end of the well, show? I well, don't know. I, My computer I, barely works. I mean, I'm locked and loaded if, we're, if we want to if we want to do it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, everybody clear out. Nate Taylor Isoball coming out. Um, this is the last time we will discuss it. But um, shout out to these people in no particular order. Um, Cal in Texas. Uh, my guys, Charles in Indiana, uh, Tracy Cochran. Um, there are too many to mention. Jonathan Telefor, uh, Adam Zook, Nathan Keck, um, Sean Meza, uh, Mallory Brooke, Eric Martinson. Um, and look, the last person I'll mention is, uh, is Angel in Oklahoma, I believe. These are people who donated way more money than me and Holly Taylor ever asked in terms of getting you confetti. But the good in all of this is that um, after doing some hard crunching of our own salary cap financially based on <laughs> the projected cap profit that we could roll over <laughs> on Friday, uh, we donated the $500 that was left over from people who were just super generous. And once it came clear that I was saying on the podcast earlier that last we were going to give uh, the leftover money from the confetti chronicles of 2020, uh, the Ronald McDonald House of Kansas City received $500 from you guys. So uh, this is not my money. This is not Holly's money. Um, We rolled over the cap. We had such a great season that uh, (laughs) Ronald McDonald House will give five families the ability to stay in their facilities, in their homes, or in their rooms, I should say, for their sick children, uh, whether it's through birth or other uh, issues that can come from medical procedures that are needed um so yeah five hundred dollars to the ron mcdonald house it's not my money it's not holly's money it's y'all's money so thank you for that and yeah um come back next week for more cba talk as we have done as we as we have finished (laughs) rolling over the funds from 2019 into 2020 i'm prepared to make a donation to keep us from starting next week's show with more cba talk 